0: and Hardy with your cross-politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you and yours are having a week full of blessings thus far and that the new year is off to a great start, but that you had a great Christmas as well. With that in tow, let's get started with our first news brief of the year and our first ad read of the year. Don't tune out. Listen. Let's stop and take a moment to talk about Fight, Laugh, Feast Club membership. By joining the Fight, Laugh, Feast Army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portals, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll also get discounts for our conferences. So if you've got 10 bucks a month to kick over our way, you can sign up right now at fightlaughfeast.com. Now this, FBI paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban accounts for... Misinformation. The Federal Bureau of Investigation paid Twitter $3.4 million to ban or suspend accounts for foreign influence and misinformation on the social media platform. The FBI has been policing speech on the social media site for years, eventually paying Twitter the money as reimbursement for the work, the New York Post reported. The inner workings of Twitter and its cooperation with federal authorities have been coming out in tranches, released by the independent journalist Matt Tabby what have become known as the Twitter files since business magnet Elon Musk took over Twitter. Tabby has been tweeting and the post has been reporting screenshots of emails between the FBI and Twitter staff with FBI flagging specific accounts for alleged civic misinformation policy violations, spam behaviors, platform manipulation and ban evasion, asking Twitter to suspend or ban users. The files show that Twitter held monthly meetings with the FBI, Department of Homeland Security and Justice Department and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the post reported. The FBI and other federal agencies focused on social media after the 2016 election. Tabby noted on Twitter that the FBI's social media task force grew to 80 agents, and Department of Homeland Security worked with outside security contractors and think tanks to pressure Twitter to moderate the content. Moving on, rapper zuby identifies as female to smash weightlifting record. Wow, Our, a friend of the show, Zuby, he's been on the show. You can look up that episode here. Uh, he has become an unlikely feminist icon with this move. The weightlifting hip-hop artist and Oxford graduate who set out to demonstrate that athletes who are generally, genetically rather male should not be competing alongside women. The rapper, whose stage name is Zuby, was filmed last week smashing the British women's deadlift record in which the weights are raised from the ground to thigh level while he said he was identifying as a woman. The video now has almost one million views on Twitter. And why don't you guys go check that out to pump up that number? The 32-year-old later beat the UK women's bench press record, too, joking that his work was strong, stunning, and brave. It comes amid a debate about participation of transgender athletes in sport. Critics including, including the tennis champion Martina Navratilova, who is a long-term campaigner for the LGBT. Moving on, Idaho murder suspect Brian Koberger arrives in Pennsylvania court for extradition hearing. The suspect in the quadruple murders at the University of Idaho arrived on Tuesday in court in Pennsylvania where he's expected to waive the extradition and be transported to Idaho for a criminal trial. Brian Koberger, age 28, arrived at Pennsylvania court in handcuffs Tuesday morning and is scheduled to appear before a judge at 3.30 p.m. according to the Daily Mail. The hearing won't be live streamed but a group of journalists and photographers will be permitted inside. Koberger, who was accused of killing four University of Idaho students in their off-campus home in November is expected to not challenge his extradition to Idaho, with his state-appointed attorney calling Tuesday's hearing a formality proceeding. Koberger is likely to plead not guilty in the case, and his attorney has said he believes he's going to be exonerated. Koberger was arrested on Friday in connection to the quadruple slangs. with police saying they don't expect to make any other arrests in the case. Koberger has been charged with four counts of first-degree murder as well as felony burglary. We believe we have our guy, the one that committed these murders. That's according to Moscow Chief of Police James Fry. He told NBC News on Saturday.
1: You believe that you have your guy and that there won't be further arrests made in regards to these murders? That
0: is correct. We believe we have our guy, the one that committed these murders. We did what we had to do professionally, and we will continue to do that. Um, We um, knew what we needed to do. I said from the very beginning, we will protect the integrity of this case. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did that. And I think a lot of people realize that now.
2: What was it like to call the families and tell them?
3: I think there's some closure there. And
0: it always feels good to give people closure and to help them heal a little bit. In order to be extradited, law enforcement need only prove that Koberger is the person on the Idaho arrest warrant that he was in the area at the time of the murders, according to Monroe County Chief Public Defender Jason Labar. Koberger is a doctoral student studying criminal justice at Washington State University campuses in, in Pullman, which is roughly at 10 to 15 minutes away from the University of Idaho. The suspect had driven home to Pennsylvania with his father for the holidays, with the pair returning to the state around December 17th, according to LaBar. It's still unclear Koberger's connection to the victims and the quadruple slayings, and police have not identified a motive. The probable cause affidavit that would provide these details is not set to be released until Koberger arrived. in Idaho. Washington State University identifies Koberger as a PhD student in its Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology. He completed his first semester in its criminal justice program earlier this month, according to the university. A white Hyundai Elantra spotted near the victim's house around the time of the crime is believed to be Koberger's, Fry said. Police had previously said they believe the occupant had critical information in the case. They do not believe anyone else was in the car at the time, according to Fry. Law enforcement personnel seized the car from Kroeberger's parents, Pennsylvania's home, and it is being processed. Law enforcement sources told ABC News that police identified Koberger as a suspect at least in part by using DNA technology and police then tracked the grad student to Pennsylvania through his car. Moscow police's only other prior interaction with Koberger was a traffic citation for not wearing a seatbelt which was issued while he was in the white Elantra, Fry said. The chief said he cannot release whether the suspect has any prior criminal history elsewhere. Dime Payments. Dime Payments is a Christian-owned processing payment business. Every business needs a payment process system, so please go to dimepayments.com slash F-O-F and sign your business up. Working with them supports us. They won't cancel you like Stripe canceled President Trump, and they won't cancel you like MailChimp canceled the Babylon Bee. Check them out, or at least have a phone call and tell them Cross Politics sent you. Go to dimepayments.com slash F-O-F. And now to wrap things up, it's time for my favorite topic, sports, but this was a scary one, and I'm sure you've all heard it by now. Damar Hamlin suffers cardiac arrest during game, heartbeat restored on field, this according to the Bills. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest following a hit in Monday night's game against the Cincinnati Bengals, causing him to collapse on the field, the team said Tuesday. The Bills said Hamlin's heartbeat was restored on the field, and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment he's currently sedated and listed in critical condition the team said the scary incident occurred with 558 remaining in the first quarter in Cincinnati leading the game seven to three the Bills were on their second drive of the game when quarterback Joe Burrow threw a pass to T I'm sorry, the Bengals were on their second drive of the game when quarterback Joe Burrow threw a pass to T. Higgins. Bill's safety, Hamlin, came over to make a tackle and end the play. It looked pretty routine. Hamlin was on the ground for a while after the play. He stood up and collapsed, and that is where he received CPR from the medical staff on the ground before he was put into the ambulance. Hamlin was being rushed to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who covered the game, described the incident on ESPN.
3: Man, we've had a lot of laughs uh, talking on Monday nights after these games, and this was a big one. We were looking forward to it, all of us, because of the significance of this game. And here we, here we are at this moment, and a young man fights for his life. And gratefully, uh, it's nothing that we have a great deal of context with. But Joe, I'll begin with you. Um, and I salute the work that you all did there, just allowing the moments to happen and try to provide the context as they did how, how do you how do you describe what you've, what you've been processing since this happened
1: it's really hard um, you know its it's hard just to to describe it. I mean you know what what we all feel you know you think about the Hamlin family and and what they're all going through that that's the focus, but you know this went from a sports story to a news story from a sporting event to a matter of life and death like that yeah and there was a moment when the medical personnel was all out there and we're standing up here and and unfortunately like lisa said and you guys have been talking about we've been through a lot of situations in games where we've stood up here and you're watching medical personnel uh, make sure somebody's okay down on the field. And you think they're going through a, you know, a blow to the head or something along those lines. And uh, it switched, it switched quickly. Um, And it went from what is the typical everybody gather around. Let's make sure this player is okay to those who were on the field in his immediate vicinity uh, administering CPR and, and, really pounding on his chest and a lot of that was not on television i have no idea what's on social media i have not checked it but we were sitting here and i'm looking at troy and he's looking at me and it was like my god what this this is not what you expected to see and now is he okay and it went on and on and on and then that's when the players were gathered around so tight that it was hard to to even see what was going on so this was uh took your breath away. Um, I'm sick to my stomach. If you're asking me how I feel, which nobody cares, but, but that's what it feels like being here in this stadium tonight, witnessing what we saw right around midfield. Uh, no,
3: I disagree, Joe. Uh, I, I think the perspective of someone who's made his life doing this, calling these games and has those perspectives of the injuries uh, that thankfully mostly turn out far better. Uh, there was an urgency, Troy, that, that I felt like I noticed immediately and what I, I saw on camera that, that, that concerned me. It, it seemed like this was dire and then quickly it became evident that it was. As a man that made his living doing this and has seen a lot, uh, when you see a young man suddenly fighting for his life, part of this brotherhood that Ryan Clark and I were just speaking of, how, how do you best describe what that's like to have to watch? Well, I can only speak of what it was like to
2: watch tonight because no one's experienced anything like this. Uh, Ryan Clark hasn't, as he expressed, and all the other players. Booger McFarlane, who was in studio earlier tonight talking about yep. it. and It really is unprecedented, as, as we know. So uh, you're right. The gravity of the situation uh, became very clear very, very soon. Uh, I saw the same things that you were seeing back in studio uh, as far as uh, them administering CPR feverishly. Uh, it's, uh, as I said, I mean, um, I, think, I think people at home can understand it, uh, that the amount of time that you spend with your teammates, as Ryan Clark said, during the season, uh, it is more than you than you spend with your family. And so uh, it's real. Uh, the relationships are real that, that go on long after you're done playing the game. I can speak to that. But... Uh, you know, to watch what we did tonight uh, was was hard on, on everybody. And uh, prayers, of course, are, are with DeMar and his family. And we can only uh, hope for the best. Uh, and what this looks like, you know, everyone has said it. The football uh, becomes secondary. Quite frankly, I, I don't know how they get this game in. I, I just, uh, in the back of my mind, I just don't think they can. Uh, but right now, that's uh, that's a discussion for another time and another uh, place, but agreed, uh,
3: because yeah. this, because this is a really, really important game in, in, in the scheme of football. And I think we all understand at the moment that football is, is, is uh, far, far secondary to the concerns of the moment. Troy, Joe, as you all said, it's a bit difficult to put words to this and you guys uh, did as best as you could for, for the amount of time that was from the moment that he went down until where we are now. And I appreciate your time and your perspective guys. Thank you so much.
1: No, of course scott thank you you just hope and pray for him and when you're going through that you hope you put the right words to it and we all just just we were in shock and you could see shock all over the faces of those players and just hoping and praying for the best
0: like joe and troy said our thoughts and prayers go out to hamlin as he deals as he recovers from this scary situation Folks, that's going to do it with this cross-politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. Or you can do that as well as sign up for a magazine subscription. Why not do both? And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask me about our conference this year, it's going to be at the ARK Encounter 2023. Or if you want to ask about corporate partnerships, you can email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com cross Baltic News, I'm Gerson Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.